Welcome to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. We hope that God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Gary Chevalier. And good morning. As Pastor Mike told you, we are smack in the middle of our Anchored series. So last week, we talked about the question that we all tend to ask, which is, why? Why do storms come? And if you missed that, you're welcome to go online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can watch it there. Or if you have your Parkway app installed on your smartphone, you can watch it on that as well. So this week and next week, we're going to step beyond the question of why storms come and talk about how we remain anchored in the truth of God and the reliable things about God that we can hang our hat on when storms come around us. So, I have a question to ask as we start out. How many of you would consider yourself um, a fisherman or someone who is at home on the water in a boat? Anyone out there? Okay, very good. So, now growing up, I spent some time on the water. My dad took me fishing and we, we learned how to water ski and those sorts of things. But I'm not really what you would call a nautical guy. All right, now my mom would have said I was naughty, but not nautical. All right, still, I learned the importance of an anchor early on in my life. So we were on Lake Livingston fishing. I was young, probably seven, eight, something like that. And so we had found this little cove, and I'm telling you, it was a honey hole. We throw the line out, reel it in, throw the line out, reel it in. I mean, we were catching fish like nobody's business. Now, off in the distance, you could tell that the storm clouds were coming. It was getting dark, and you could, you could just see that not good was on its way. But like any good fisherman, the fish are biting, I'm fishing, right? So that's what we did. Throw the line out, bring the fish in. Throw the line out, bring the fish in. It was great fun. Then, even in our little cove, we started to notice our boat was doing this. And the wind was picking up. So my dad, very wisely, said, okay, it's time to go. So we reeled in all the lines and started to leave the little cove. And as soon as we turned the corner, the lake was nothing but white caps. And, of course, the place we put in was on the far side of the lake. Not being daunted, because that's what fishermen do, we took off across the lake. And I'm here to tell you, it was white capping. It was bouncy and jerky. And, of course, now remember, I was very young at the time. But I really believe it was deadliest catch out there on that lake, all right? I mean, waves were coming, and, you know, it was, we were getting beat up and pummeled. And I remember thinking, dear God, please just don't let me fall out of this boat. And if I do, God, please make there be a whale that can spit me up on the shore, right? That's, that's really, in my seven-year-old seven mind, that's where I was. So we were going across the lake, bouncing around, and finally, my dad decided there's no way we're getting to the other side of the lake in one piece. But by this point, we were already too far to go back to the cove. So if you're familiar with Lake Livingston, fortunately, there's an island out there. And so my dad headed towards the island. And we went and jerked and beat up. And I really thought I was going to die. And finally, we got to the point where we were on the sheltered side of the island. And the waves were still there, but they weren't quite as bad. And the wind was still blowing, but it wasn't quite as bad. And we got there and we dropped anchor. And I don't remember much about the rest of that story But I do remember sitting in the front of the boat watching the anchor line go tight and then relax. And then go tight and relax. And as the waves would come and as the wind would blow, it would get really tight and then it would relax. But at the end of that storm, 
we were in the same spot that we had dropped anchor at. And you fishermen know, when you put that anchor down, your boat is going to stay there. That is the anchor that you have available to you in God's promises. When you put your trust in the scripture that God says, you're anchored. And when the storm comes, you're not blowing back out into the big white caps. You're there, safe in the cove. Now, a lot of people will say they're going to put their trust in a lot of different things. I've been around long enough to see spouses will fail. Family members will bail on you. Money gets lost. Jobs disappear. Anything that you think you can put your trust in, if it involves man, it can and it will fail. The only only rock-solid 100% source of strength in the midst of a storm is found right here. So there's lots of promises in the Bible, all right? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. That's found in 2 Corinthians. Um, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's in Philippians. There's tons of promises out there. So, but today we're going to talk about three promises, and we're going to answer the question, how can I be anchored in the middle of the storm? How can God's promises anchor me? So we're going to talk about three, but there's plenty out there. And so I want to encourage you, if there is a promise of God in Scripture that he used to get you through a storm, I want to ask you to tweet it out. Be sure and tag at the Park Church, hashtag anchored. Put it on our Facebook page. Our church body will benefit from reading your story about how God anchored you with his promises. So we're going to talk about three, but there's plenty more. Share your story. But for our purposes today, we're going to talk about this one. The first promise today, it's your first fill-in on your message notes if you have it. God will be with me so I will not fear. All right, Isaiah 41.10 says this. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now take out your pen real quick and circle, I am your God. Because I want to camp on that for just a moment. You see, we speak God's name a lot in our culture. I mean, I don't think we think about how often we do it. We'll say stuff like, God bless you. Or, oh, my auntie, God rest her soul. Or, I'll be there next week, God willing, and the creek don't rise. We use God's name all the time. OMG has become so commonplace, it's got its own hashtag. And we treat God's name really flippantly. It just comes out. But I don't, I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. So Andrea and I have been working recently with a Messianic Jewish church to, to plan a marriage re retreat for them. Now, if you're unfamiliar with Messianic Jews, basically they are of the Jewish faith and Jewish tradition and everything about them is Jewish, except they believe that Jesus is the Messiah promised in Scripture. So basically, they're a lot like us. But in working with them, we discovered they treat the name of God very differently than we do. So, for instance, God's true name, they won't even say it is too holy to be uttered by their lips. And when they refer to God and they talk about the Lord this or our Father that, there is reverence when they say the name Adonai. There is a knowledge and a depth of understanding of God's providence and provision when they call him Abba. 
even in casual conversation as we're talking, and when it comes time and they utter his name, you know they are talking about God. We throw it around, OMG hashtag. I think, I think that's by the evil one's design, honestly. Because the more commonplace we make God's name, the more commonplace we think God is. And God is anything but commonplace. This is the God who flooded the earth and saved Noah. He rained down fire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah. He sent plagues on the people of Egypt. He parted the Red Sea. He destroyed the walls of Jericho. He protected Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fire, closed the mouth of lions. He raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He broke open the prison and unshackled the chains on Paul. This is a God of power, a God who does miracles, a God who spoke words and stars and planets formed. He's the God who looked at the earth and told the oceans, stop here, you can come no farther. This God says, do not fear, for I am with you. We ought not treat his name the way we do. Do not fear, for I am with you. I am your God. There's a moment in the movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, Prince Caspian, where I really think we can see this confidence, this not fear take place. All right, so the, the evil armies were fighting, they were in a battle, and they, they decided if we run to the river, we can win. So they're being pursued by the armies of good. They reach the river, and there's one bridge across, and on the far side of the bridge, they see little Lucy Pevensey standing there. All right, let's watch this clip and see what she does. I love the moment when she's looking at the army across the bridge, and she draws her little dagger and grins. That little, that confident look on her face, her confidence was not in that little bitty dagger staring against that, that army. Her confidence was in Aslan, who was right there with her. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the story, Aslan represents Jesus in this story. And she didn't know what he was about to do, but it didn't matter. She knew he was with her, right beside her. That is the confidence of not fearing and knowing who is with you. Do not fear. I am with you. I am your God. Look at the second half of that verse. He says, I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. God says, I'm with you. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I will hold you. He's responsible for all of that. All we have to do is choose not to fear. Now, I realize that's a tall order sometimes because Satan is really good at pushing our buttons. He knows what your deepest fears are. He knows what's going to scare you. And you have to choose not to fear. All right, and this is your choice. It's your next fill-in. We have to choose faith over fear. And it's not easy. It takes determination. It takes practice in the small things, you learn to choose faith over fear. And over time, that grows to where in large circumstances, you are able to have faith in God because you have seen him over and over and over take care of you. Now, some of you are going to say, well, I'm not really scared of anything. And I want to challenge you, be careful. 
Because fear doesn't always take the same shape. All right, sometimes fear looks like cowering in a corner and being all scared. But sometimes fear looks like a person frantically grasping for control. Busted. Uh-huh. I'm the same way. I have this, have this thing that when I think if I can control it, it's be okay. If I know what's going to happen, I can respond, I'll be fine. But that's fear. That's not trust. If you choose to not fear, to allow God to take control of the circumstances, and you do it by reminding yourself who God is and what he can do for you, just like Lucy. You don't have to know what he's going to do, but you know who he is and what he is capable of doing on your behalf. So the second promise that you can hang your hat on, that you can anchor on in the midst of a storm is this, 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. It says this, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. You see, God comforts us so that we can then pay it forward and bring comfort to others. That's your second fill-in this morning. Number two, God will bring me comfort from others. See, God designed us to be in relationship. There are over 60 different commands in the Bible of how we're to interact with one another, love one another, forgive one another, serve one another, greet one another, lots of one another. God designed us that way. And in that scripture, we learn God designed us to comfort one another from the comfort that we ourselves have received. And that is why we encourage everyone at the park to be in a small group. Because small groups are where you are going to bond with people. You're going to study the Bible together. You're going to experience true biblical community. All right, there's a family in our church who really experienced what it means to be a part of a small group. Last month, after all the storms and all the, the havoc that they kind of wreaked in our, our area, they found themselves being comforted by God's people and seeing his hand. All right, let's watch their story. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Sunday night, we had just finished small group and everybody left and it was raining a little bit, but we didn't think much about it. And when I went to bed that night, as I was laying my head down on the pillow, I just felt this sense of peace come over me. I just felt in my spirit him say, this is the end of a season. And in my, you know, in my mind, I was like, okay, God will, I feel like maybe you're saying this is the end of the season of struggle with this house. Monday the 18th, early in the morning, 3 a.m., our daughter Grace was, was reading a book. She came in our room and said, Mom and Dad, get up, the house is flooding. And she had heard water rushing in over on her side of the house. And when I stood up, it was about three or four inches because it, it covered my ankle. Within 10 minutes, we were um, walking out to the car and it was almost up, it was halfway up to my knees. So I'd say it was a foot deep or more. 
there was like a river flowing between those, those brick walls out there at the front of the driveway, a river coming this way, so. The water was rushing through the house. I mean, it was very crazy looking. And so we at first started trying to gather up a few things. And I mean, it was three in the morning. We weren't even awake by the time we were in. We were not even awake when we were in the cars. And I looked over at Greg and he was sitting there in a pair of white underwear and a white t-shirt and I said hey, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, some pants. I've got my priorities you know we had to get our people out of there 36 hours later we came home we could get into the house so there was a lot of water in the house there was live fish in the house as it was happening when we were in the house I mean it, I can't really tell you why but I just felt like it all makes sense and what God had shown me that night is I was going to bed and I just I just felt like it was a final, it was the ending. What he had said to me, it just, I mean, I know it doesn't make any sense in the natural, but in the spirit, it just made sense. And as we drove off, there was a sense of relief and Thank you, and Jesus. Peace. I don't think any of us were freaking out. God just prepared all of our hearts beforehand. I know this is all God's plan. This is all part of God's plan. So I, I didn't, I don't know what the plan is exactly. I don't know the details, but I wasn't surprised at all to step in water. One way that God has provided for us is through the people in our small group. They have labored a ridiculous amount of time, more than I would think that I would ever want to do for someone else, but I hope that I would. They've provided uh, spiritual support for us through this. They've um, prayed for us and texted us and sent us notes. And one friend, our daughter had a formal to go to, a formal event, and we hadn't purchased a dress or anything for that yet. And one friend took her shopping, bought her the dress, took her to and from the formal. Everything that you could possibly imagine, our small group has met needs, countless needs. I see Jesus working through the people in our small group, helping us, and it, it, it makes me want to do that same thing to help other people out in the future. We met with our small group for the first time last Sunday night and um, it just touched on so many different levels. Just being with them, you know, in a situation other than this, just sitting down together, opening up the word, praying together, talking about what their needs were as well at this this week. I don't know, when I just when we left there, I just felt completely satisfied in my spirit, in my soul. From the comfort you receive from the Lord, you comfort others. I'm sure you've heard it said, God never wastes a hurt. Did that seem like people who had just lost everything? There was well over three feet of water in their house. I don't know if you, if you caught it when she said, when they returned to their house after 36 hours, there were fish swimming in the house. Their comfort came from their small group. Their confidence was in the God who has a plan that they don't necessarily understand, but they know he's got the plan. What a testimony they have and are going to have for years to come. Now, something they did not say is that another couple who lost everything in a fire and had to start over, another couple has volunteered to sit down with them and walk them through how to restart after you've lost everything 
And the amazing thing is, the couple that's volunteering this information doesn't even know the Townsends. They have a mutual friend who's in the small group with the Townsends, heard the story, and said, we want to help. Only God can orchestrate conversations like that. That is God taking the trials and struggles that this family had and using it to comfort this family. From the comfort you received, you can comfort others. And you can rest assured, you heard him say it at the end, the Townsends will be paying it forward. They will be comforting others from the comfort that they have received from their small group. So finally, the last anchor that you can hold on to in the storm is going to be this. Number three, God will work everything for good. God will work everything for good. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Now, unfortunately, a lot of people read this verse incorrectly. And they say, all things are good. You know, you'll have a conversation with someone and they'll tell you about what's going on and they're like, yeah, the truck just broke down, ran into a tree, exploded into flames. It's all good. Now, that's kind of an American phrase, right? It's all good. Um, but we talked about last week, everything's not good. There's a lot of not good stuff in this world. So God's promise is not that everything is good. God's promise is that he will work everything for your good if you love him and are called according to his purpose. So let's take a moment right now, do a little exercise. I want you to think of something in your life, either past or present, something that was a storm for you, that was a trial, that was not good. Got something pictured? Now, for just a moment, take your focus off of the pain and the unpleasantness that caused cause you to feel that way and let's put our focus on what God has done through that what God is doing through that because here's the reality your focus determines your attitude that's your last fill in on your message notes your focus determines your attitude there's good and bad that are happening simultaneously the bad unpleasant things are there but if you are able to put your focus on the good God is working for you, that is strength that will anchor you in any storm. Now, back in the early 2000s, I was a worship pastor, and I was diagnosed with vocal nodes. And I could hear the singers back there going, oh, vocal nodes, oh no. If you don't know what vocal nodes are, essentially they're, they're blisters on your vocal cords. Uh, if you don't treat them, those blisters become calluses, and eventually you lose the ability to talk. So as a worship pastor, when my job was to sing and lead worship, vocal notes are not a good thing. And I got to be honest, it was a struggle for me. I was really not happy with God for that particular uh, decision that he made in my life. I really missed singing. And in 100% transparency, I, I pouted. I did. Uh, I, I got put on vocal rest for three months, and for the whole first month, I was not pleasant to be around. I was mopey, I was angry, I had a short fuse. My poor wife and sweet family endured Pouty Gary, which is not awesome, I'm told. 
about a month into it, God revealed to me what he was doing and what he was teaching me. And, you know, I had to learn to not be the worship leader and let someone else step up and lead. And in 100% transparency, I'm a little bit of a control freak. And so turning something as important as the worship service over to someone else was really hard for me. But it was so good. I had to learn how to worship through music without actually singing because there are some people who, for whatever reason, can't sing or don't sing or are uncomfortable singing in a large room like this. And I learned that you can worship God even when you're not singing. I learned how to play bass guitar because we had a need in our band. And since I wasn't standing up front singing, I learned how to play bass. And when God revealed all that to me, my first response was, oh, man, okay, you're right. You know, I felt all like, ah, again? Come on, Gary, you know better than this. But I was able to put my focus on the good that was coming out of it. And it changed my whole perspective. At the end of the next two months of vocal rest, I was thankful. Now, I was not thankful for the vocal nodes, but I was thankful for what God taught me through that. If you put your focus on the negative and the pain, it is exceedingly difficult for you to understand what God is up to and for you to know that he is going to get you through the storm. But when you hold on to the truth of his promise, that he is going to work all things for your good, you put your focus on the good that you see God doing, that will help you endure any storm with godly grace. Now, your storm may not look like what I just described, um, but there's always something good that you can put your focus on in the middle of it. And sometimes hindsight, you're able to see everything that God is doing. Put your focus on the good that God is doing and that will give you the attitude to get through the storm. Now, the Bible says all things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And if you're listening to this right now and you have not chosen to follow Christ, then this promise does not apply to you yet. And I want to encourage you this morning, take that step to choose to follow Christ. Take that step to commit your life to him and have the confidence of knowing that the God creator of the universe is on your side and will walk with you and provide these promises for you in any storm. There is a sample prayer at the bottom of your message notes. There's a new believer packet at the door that you can take with you when you leave. Make today the day that you commit to follow Christ no matter what. So how will you approach your storm? How, how are you going to do it? Will you, will you choose not to fear? Will you place your trust in the Lord? Will you, will you give comfort? Will you receive comfort? Knowing that God's design is for you to give from the comfort you have received. Will you relax and know that he's going to work everything for good? Will you hold on to his promises as your anchor? Or will you allow yourself to be swept out to sea in the white-capped waves? Will you bow your heads? Let me pray for you. Lord, this morning, I, I thank you for your promises in Scripture. Uh, God, that we can, we can hold on to when life is difficult, when things uh, don't seem to be going 
uh, anywhere positive, God. Lord, you have helped me. You've supported me. You've sustained me. You've, you've been patient with me. You've grown me through every trial. Without fail, Father, you've been proven faithful. God, you've been proven faithful for the Townsends. God, I, I know that you are faithful for everyone who chooses to follow you. God, I pray for each person in this room that they will open their lives to you, hold on to you, hold on to your promises, God, so when they find themselves in the middle of the storm, God, that you are their anchor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com. You can also download our mobile app, for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more.